Hey guys, real quick. So in this podcast you're about to hear, we spend the first like 10 to 15 minutes talking about the snubs that this movie got at the Oscars. And, you know, on par, like an idiot, I, I pulled up the wrong year of the Oscar nominations and winners. I pulled up the year 2000 when this movie was released. And of course, it wouldn't be nominated until the 20 or 2001 Oscars. So I'm an idiot. And it's still a fun conversation, but it's completely wrong. This movie did win an Oscar for best screenplay. So it got its it's got its due there. I still think it should have won a lot more. But I just want to let you guys know ahead of time that I am a complete idiot. And you can totally skip the first five minutes probably. But we get to talk about a lot of movies. And so there it is. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Enjoy. Hello. This is the music editor at Rolling Stone magazine. This is William Miller. Yes, it is. I think you should be writing for us. From Cameron Crowe, writer-director of Jerry Maguire. If you're going to be a true journalist, you cannot make friends with the rock stars. Just make us look cool. God, it's going to get ugly, man. They're going to buy you drinks. Don't take drugs! They're going to fly you places for free. It's Bowie! You're going to meet girls. We are not groupies. We don't have intercourse with these guys. On the road with the band. Your mom called! Rock stars have kidnapped my son. Welcome back. This is the Blockbuster Hall of Fame. (laughs) Uh, My name is Ray. I'm with Jared and Yorton, as always. Today we're talking about Almost Famous. Released in 2000, Cameron Crowe's third movie that he wrote and directed. It had a budget of $60 million, and it only made $32.5 million domestically, and worldwide it made $47 million. So, so it, it didn't make its money back, which is crazy, because this is, in my mind, the best movie of the 2000s. I can't think of one movie that's better. And it's in the conversation, at least. So, anyways, Yorton, what were your thoughts? Just give quick thoughts on this movie. Enjoyed it. Uh, just since this is our wrap-up of Cameron Crowe in uh, general, I'll also say I enjoy his oh, characters in all the movies. Oh, we still, got, we still got one more. Yeah, we got oh, one we more do? left. Oh, I thought we were doing three. Oh, my bad. But it's so no, different kind of as a wrap-up. So, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Uh Enjoyed it. Music selection. I really enjoyed the music oh, that yeah. was constantly playing in this movie. Uh, and like I was saying before, characters, uh, very unique characters in this movie. And just a nice, straightforward story, I feel like, with a lot of things going on. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty straight story, but you're right. There's a lot of like small little plot details that are really smart and really, you know... I don't know. It makes it a step up from a typical Hollywood movie. Anyways, Jared, your quick thoughts. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, Love the music. Love the sound. Obviously, that's something that I really look for in movies. And uh, really good music. Really great sound. Um, I just thought it was smart written. Smartly written. You sound like you're uh, talking to late night radio. 
Uh, I went for a six mile run today, so I'm kind of beat. <laughs> All <laughs> right, so he's <laughs> damn. I used to be able to run six miles. <laughs> hey, it's been a long time since I've run that far. <laughs> Um, right. You're right, though, because music was a big thing years, and I was like, ain't no way he's hating on the music in this movie. This movie is <laughs> nothing but music, you know? Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's it's no way, but no way that I would hate. Like, already, like, obviously, I vaguely remember as a kid watching this movie, um, obviously, the Golden God scene is what stood mm-hmm. out the most. Um, but just re-watching it, I was just like, man, this music is awesome. The music, yeah, I was, was I like, was in the movie like for like fifteen minutes, and I messaged you guys like, "Man, I am really enjoying the yeah. music." <laughs> Even the Alvin and the Chipmunks to start off, it's like I don't know why this is starting <laughs> the movie off, but I'm into it. You know, it's a Christmas well, song. That in, that intro, boy, I really enjoyed that simple writing intro with the music playing. Oh yeah. The- that was actually uh, Cameron Crowe's hand. It was him writing it. It was his handwriting, writing all that. It, it was very serene, just like hearing somebody write with the microphone right next to it. It was just, it, it just puts you in a state of like serenity, and almost. So, all right. To add on to the serenity and like just the, the feeling you got, this goes into my positives, but man, 1960s San Diego looks like paradise. when he's like little williams there and it's just like beautiful girls beautiful beach beautiful weather it's like damn what a beautiful place to be well this movie san diego the weather is perfect there (laughs) it's crazy to me that this movie wasn't i feel like this movie has it kind of gained a life of its own after its release you know like it just kind of like spread word of mouth you know it's like oh you need to see this movie and people just kept like lending their DVDs out to people or something, you know, because it, it definitely has survived, even though it really wasn't successful in the, when it was released. So I don't know. It kind of speaks to, I guess, good movies find a way to live, you know? I think what's surprising, though, when you were talking about that, though, is it's 60 million. I, I was sort of surprised with that. I was probably going to go probably a 30 or $40 million movie for that. Well, it, that was like the original cost. And I listened. Uh, there's a whole podcast. I'll, I'll talk about it later. But I look, okay. they talk about how it just got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And we need more money. And they just the studio just kind of eventually said, you got to finish this movie. And so, you know, the budget, that was not the original budget, I don't believe. All right. Okay. Yeah, uh, even DreamWorks ended up selling the movie to Sony mm-hmm. because they didn't have enough money to distribute internationally. Which you don't think, that I don't think that ever happens. Usually the movie just goes down. It just, yeah. you know, it's crazy. So let me read to you some of the, the 2000 Oscar nominations for Best Director. And you guys tell me what's missing here. Sam Mendes for American Beauty, Spike Jones for being John Malkovich, um, Lasse Hallstrom for The Cider House Rules, Michael Mann, The Insider, and M. Night Shyamalan, Sixth Sense. Ooh. Ooh, that was actually a pretty good selection there. Uh, there's I three I agree with. Sixth Sense, Cider, or being John Malkovich, and American Beauty. Cameron Crowe for Best Director should be on this list. For the, the, the performances he got out of the actors, the way he crafted the whole movie together, the movie just feels like a wonderful hug for like two hours, you know? And I don't think there's one thing he could have done better. I don't know. I'm just looking back and like The Insider, no one remembers that movie. 
I've only heard the name Cider House Rules. I don't know anything about it. You know? Yeah. I, it's hard for me to just judge those two because I haven't seen it. But the other ones, I was like, oh, easily there. I need Cider House Rules Go ahead. sounds like one of those artsy fartsy films. <laughs> that the, yeah, the, 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 the committee just yeah. loves. The the uh, the academy just like makes out with the movie, like I don't know how you make out with an entire movie. They no, just like pull it. the reel. They pull the the reel out and they just start making out with the reel. And I'm just like, oh guys, come on. Yeah, there's movies out there that their sole purpose is just to like metaphorically jack off the Oscar committee. You know, that's <laughs> all it is. I don't like American Beauty. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I feel like that's a little bit overrated. I'll oh stand no, by six not years. at all. I I, I would have to, I need to rewatch just it. because how many people uh, talked about it and talked about it, the individual scenes and everything with that movie. So no, I felt like, like that go back and rewatch it. I, yeah, I watched it like uh, two years ago, and that movie still holds up. I watch it every couple of years, so well, that's in my blockbuster hall of fame. Sam Mendes won for American Beauty Best Director. I'm not going to take it away from him. I just feel like Cameron Crowe should have been on this list. Also. Best picture. So best movie. We have American Beauty, which won. We have Cider House Rules, Green Mile, Insider, and Sixth Sense. This, what is the Insider? Why don't I have? Green how come I haven't heard of this? I'm looking it up. So <laughs> listeners, we're putting that on our to watch list. <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold up. Well, I mean, it's got Al Pacino, Michael Mann directed it. It's got Russell Crowe. Okay. I don't know what it's about. A research chemist comes under personal and professional attack when he decides to appear in a 60 Minutes expose on Big Tobacco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. I'll wait for one of y'all to recommend it. Um, I don't know. I feel like this movie has outlasted every movie. Maybe Six Cents and Green Mile are the only two yeah, that can but... compete with it. But Oh, what? yeah. Oh, I'm going to no, take Green uh, Mile gonna... over that easily. <laughs> over what? Almost Over famous? Any of the movies. Well, American Beauty won, but I agree. Green Mile probably yeah. should have won. Best screenplay? Uh, oh, no. You guys, American Beauty is a fantastic movie. Well, I'm, I'm well, not going to say which one's top. You know? yeah, it's I'm number not, two. It's number three. It's number three. No, it's number one. <laughs> I'm not going to stand for this American Beauty slander. The All fact right. that I like Green <laughs> Okay, let's get back on. I want to get to screenplay real quick. This is the last Oscar category. All right, so Russell Crowe wrote this movie. Um, it's semi-autobiographical, um, which is crazy in itself. Um, here are the nominees. American Beauty won, so it's just American Beauty's year. It won all three big categories, right? Um, being John Malkovich, which is just a crazy, inventive movie. I'm all for it, you know. Magnolia. one. Six Cents, I agree with. And Topsy Turvy. I don't. I gotta look that one up now. <laughs> what is Topsy Turvy? <laughs> Sounds like some European uh, <laughs> indie film or something for me, but I don't know. Maybe it just hit the right notes for the the Oscars. It, this poster, I don't know. It looks it looks freaking bizarre. It's a British musical drama film. I'm out. I'm out already. <laughs> yeah. Next. Next. Get rid of that shit. I just think this movie was underappreciated, and I feel like if you redid the Oscars today from the year 2000, there's no way you you leave it off your list. I feel like you make a few substitutes. 
I mean, I, I, I would have to see what the American other Beauty came out at that time. But for a majority of those, I'm like, yeah, they they yeah, still be up there. Green Mile, American Beauty for you, whatever. Um, and the Sixth <laughs> Sense, sure. And I guess being with John Malkovich, but the Insider and Topsy Turvy can go to hell. Yeah, I I second that. Um, man, I forgot. Like I knew this movie was good. Yorton watched it with me in college a long time ago, and I was like, man, man, this movie's great. But then I forgot how good it was, and I rewatch and like watching it this time, I was just, I I had a the it was called it's like a ten year anniversary Blu-ray, but it was called the bootleg cut, you know, tying into the theme of the movie, and it had like extended scenes, and so a lot of it I was like watching for the first time, and it was really. <sighs> Really good. God, this movie was great. There's so many moments to talk about. Um, let's talk about Billy Crudup, though. Billy Crudup played Russell Brand. Um, not Russell Brand. Am I high? Um, what's his name? He played <laughs> Russell, the, the guitarist, Russell. <laughs> Russell Brand. Can you imagine him playing Russell Brand? <laughs> um, he played Russell. My thing with Billy Crudup is... He's in two very pivotal movies in my life. He's in a movie called Without Limits where he plays Prefontaine, who is just, oh, yeah. just an American hero runner. And he's in this movie. And he has all the makings of a movie star. He's good looking. He's super talented. And for some reason, maybe he didn't want it. He just never... He, ne- he was never the Brad Pitt that he looked like he could have been. How do y'all feel about Billy Crudup? I thought he did very good in this movie. I didn't feel like he was the best role in this film, but like, yeah, I can, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Like, he had all the talent um, in this movie. Like I said, it's just my main positive when we get there is the cast. But like, I feel like he was just like arguably like you can't even argue that he was the best actor in this movie. And so like you can see it. He's handsome. He's talented. But then when I looked up his filmography, it was just like, meh. Yeah, I don't think he wanted the stardom. I think he was just like, <laughs> uh, I'm getting too big. Let me take this weird indie movie or something, you know? So, yeah. I mean, like, because when, like, again, like, when he does I looked Watchmen. up. It's like, what are you yeah, doing? It, I looked up at, like, his, like I said, I looked up his filmography and I was like, this movie's out in 2000. So, like, why isn't he, like, bigger? And then I was just like, Come on, man. Like, you had it. Like, I guess you're right. Like, I mean, you got to be right. He just, like, didn't want it. Sometimes it's just the films that you also get picked up on. And maybe it's just he wasn't getting them. And I think it's hard was, to keep. But I don't know. You're, you I don't know. Right. It, I have no evidence. It's it's hard to get. With a lot of actors, it's hard to, like, keep that fire going and get picked up after another movie. It just. I mean, yeah, because I could see it's just like any job, like, like with burnout, but especially like if you keep going for these auditions and like, and it's also you keep getting rejected. Mm-hmm. So it's just like anybody with a job, like we can like obviously apply for a job and then get rejected. But then at the end of the day, we can always pick up some odd jobs here or there. But like for acting, it's just like it's, that's not necessarily the case. He was one of the last additions to the cast. Um, last minute additions too, and he had to learn guitar, and <laughs> his teacher was Peter Frampton, because Cameron Crowe is his wife was is just like a great guitarist, and he knew all these rock stars, and Peter Frampton taught him how to play guitar, which is a story in itself. 
Kate Hudson, this was, she kind of, before this movie, she was in some smaller roles, but nothing you would recognize. And then she actually, for this movie, she got the part and she was just like, the movie kept getting delayed. She would turn down roles and her agents were just like, you you need to take a role here. She's like, no, because what if I take this role and it I lose uh, almost famous because of it? Like, I'm going to wait because this movie, I read the script. I'm not in a hurry. I'm going to wait for this movie. I thought she was great in this movie, and I don't think there's anyone else who could have played her as well as she did, at least. How about you, Yorton? What do you think? With, but how she Kate, did? Yeah, Kate, Kate Hudson. Hudson. Yeah, she did great on it. She was definitely, I feel like, one of the top uh, actor-actresses in the movie. And she, what I liked about her more than anything else, she didn't have to say any words a lot of the time. She just had to give looks. Like, so yeah. much of her good acting just came from the looks she gave, and you just feel it. Oh, yeah. She can, like, cut you to pieces with just a good look, you know? Like, she's in complete control. And she, she it was weird, because that rock band, Stillwater, had all the power, but she she had the power over Russell and that boy, William. Jared, you got any thoughts? Uh, I loved her in this movie. I just hate that her career trajectory went straight to rom-coms. I mean, like it's whatever. If <laughs> if that's it, like if that's your lane, that's your lane. But it's just like I felt like her lane could have been more than just rom-coms. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like until Matthew McConaughey actually started trying to act, rom-coms was his lane. But then he was like, "Oh no, like I'm actually a good actor." And then he was like. Let me start doing more roles like Mud, obviously the one that he won, uh, well Lincoln Lawyer and Dallas then Dallas Fire Fire. Yeah. yeah, Dallas Fire. Like so, he's like, no, I'm actually, I'm actually a good actor, and it's just like I felt like it was the uh, inverse for Kate Hudson. Mm-hmm. She presented like, hey, I'm a good actress, but then she was like, no, I'm just gonna go do rom coms now. <laughs> and so that was that's kind of disheartening because I'm like. Damn, I actually, like, when I was watching this, I was like, I actually forgot she's a good actress. <laughs> she's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, you're, look, I'm going to play devil's, devil's advocate just to have, just to prolong the discussion here. You know, her parents are famous, very wealthy. She wasn't struggling for money. Maybe she was just like, I'm going to take the movies I want to do. I don't have to take this movie. You know, I, if I want to have a fun time on set and make out with Matthew McConaughey, that's what I'm going to do. You know? She didn't have, like most actors, they're just desperate for roles when they're coming up and they're starting off. She starts off with Almost Famous, you know? And yeah, that's what parents, I said. Goldie Hawn. It's like, she doesn't have to worry about money or anything. So she was and like, that, that's what I said. Like, if that's your lane, it's your lane. If that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. And, like, I respect it. But it's just like, I kind of, I kind of, like, after yeah, watching this movie again, I was you, like, You just wish God. this could have been yeah. what you're at. Like, yeah. What what could this have been if she'd taken a different route? No, no, she could have. She like she's her capability. She would have definitely won a couple of awards uh, or at least nominations for awards, especially best supporting actress. Because you can put her in like a second or third character role in a movie, and she like obviously would kill. Yeah, she would kill it. So I like I know for a fact if she would join a little bit more serious movies, she would have easily won a best supporting actress award. I agree. She could have just taken that supporting actress category by storm if she wanted to. Last person I want to talk about is Jason Lee. In a movie role, 
you're not used to seeing him in. You used to, usually it's like a Kevin Smith role where he's just this wisecracking, kind of condescending dude who's just great with dialogue. He's great in this movie. I think he's my favorite character. He plays the lead singer <laughs> Stillwater. I think my favorite scene of his is when he's coming out of the restroom and the bus is already taken off. He's like, oh, I'm easy to forget. I'm only the fucking lead singer. You know, and he has to chase after. He's just, I think he's my favorite part of this movie. And it's just cool to see him <laughs> he, in, in like a, a real role. I'm not like downgrading Kevin Smith at all. I love Kevin Smith and I like his movies. But it's just weird to see him out of Kevin Smith's shadow and be really successful. Well, yeah, he brought in a lot of the drama for the the band itself because uh, he was one of the main conflicts with the uh, other guy. Yeah, with the band, Russell was his fame was growing and the band, mm-hmm. like faster than the band was. All right, so here's how we're gonna do the we're gonna start off with positives. Um, oh, hold on, hold on. What's up? What's up? I gotta I gotta insert my Jason Lee. Oh my bad. Go Take. ahead. Uh. He was fantastic. That's it. Oh, I, <laughs> I was like, he was fantastic. That was it. That was it. Jason Lee was fucking fantastic, and it was amazing to watch. It's crazy that he he was just a skateboarder who kind of stumbled into <laughs> acting. You know, so yeah. It's just good for him. Um, that you, makes you're, a you're lot of see, sense with him, though. <laughs> you're gonna see him next week in uh, Vanilla Sky, which I haven't seen since college, so that'll be a fun discussion. All right, here's how we're gonna do positives. Yorton. I know the answer, but you're great at commenting on our notes. Did you take notes? I don't ever take notes. Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, so Jared, you're going to go down your entire list of positives. We'll talk about it, each one, if we feel like it. And then when you're done, any positives that you didn't have that I have on my list, I'll just go down my list. Fair enough? Yep. All right, man. So. Number one, the the biggest positive I had was obviously the cast, as I said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, the mom is fucking Frances McDormand. She, That's just great. the mom. She, she, she's just a minor character in this movie, but every single time she popped up on screen, or even when you heard a voice when she uh, called Russell, or well, called William, but then Russell picked up the phone and started talking, like... Like, Russell was like, damn, I'm scared. And I was yeah, like, you shit. Scared, I, like, I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm like, shit, I'm scared, too. <laughs> like, those I was like, calls. she was just his mom. I he was like, am his- I in trouble? <laughs> I'm just watching this movie 20 years later, and I feel like I'm in trouble. Rock stars have kidnapped my son. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> She's uh, You meet her for two minutes, and you know exactly who she is. You know? And, yeah, and so like every movie she's in, she obviously like kills it. Uh, the Coen Brothers are my favorite directors. Mm-hmm. Um, well, second favorite directors behind um, Edgar Wright. But um, like, so obviously I watch all of the Coen Brothers movies, and she's in like eighty percent of them. So that makes me love Coen Brothers movies even more. <laughs> Absolutely. So right, yeah, well, let's talk no. about the cast. Let's go down the list. We got. Can we talk about William, real quick? Um, the actor who played Little William, I thought was fantastic. The little kid, oh, yeah. like, Aladdin! oh yeah, I'm Aladdin! <laughs> He's like freaking out in the car. Like, that yeah, that was so that was actually really hilarious. That, I thought he was great. Did you guys have the scene in the movie where he's like in the restroom and all the guys are like brushing their mustaches and he he's just mm-hmm. in the mirror looking? Okay, I didn't know if that was like only in my version or not. And I thought 
the older William, who's 16, he, God, it's so bad. We're doing a podcast. And I didn't look up his name, but um, he, he played it so well because maybe he just really was that innocent in real life, you know? So maybe it was just, uh, he didn't have to act. Yeah. Yeah. He's too Bay. sweet for a rock and roll. The <laughs> sister, Zoe Deschanel, was in the movie for like five minutes and was great and memorable in it. And what a great casting that was, too. Uh, yeah, we already talked about Kate Hudson. Um, we already talked about Jason Lee. Uh, Bangs? We could talk about Lester Bangs. No, I, that's on my negatives. It, it, oh. I, I'll get into that in a second. Or when we get to negatives, because I just... It was just off-putting for me. Um, sorry. Uh, we had Anna Paquin and yeah, Jimmy Bobby Fallon. Boucher's Bobby Boucher's girlfriend. She killed it. Like yeah. the Band Aids were all great. Uh, fucking like I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman was great, but again, we'll get to his negatives for me. Uh, Jimmy Fallon was in this movie <laughs> again. Like it's this cast was just just. Oh, it was so good. And Jimmy Fallon wasn't even Jimmy Fallon, you know, because he he was still on like, SNL. Like if you watch him with cart, yeah, SNL and everything, he's very typical. And you know what? Rain very Wilson good. was in this movie he as was. well. <laughs> so it was just like this movie oh, had literally more. everybody. We Jay got- Bruce, Jay Bruce, I had to, I had I had to pause the movie and just like. Holy hell, he looks like a baby. So I <laughs> what, he walks movie. up with a rock t-shirt? Yeah, like, wait a second. T-shirt. So when he walked up with that Led Zeppelin t-shirt, I paused the movie. I'm just like, holy hell. So no, like, dude, this this was crazy. I, I, I loved at, I, like this entire staff, from, or not staff, cast from top to bottom. Well, so hey, the, 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 I don't know how to say it, but the bigger gay guy from Modern Family. I think he was the hotel clerk. That got like, scared by the mom? Yeah. And then um, also, do you, I don't know if you guys know the now deceased comedian Mitch Hedberg. Yep, he was in there. He was in this movie as well. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Just, it's obscene how many people are in this movie. Also, talk about a good comedian. Uh, that man hated, hated give, delivering a segue. For his jokes, he just ran his jokes he together. Rest in, rest in peace, uh, Mitch Hedberg, but a hilarious guy. Yes. Oh, okay. You, you you just looked him up. Well, I was looking on IMDb who he was, and he he was at the card table. The, where they, yeah, yeah, he was the manager. He was away. the uh, anyway. manager for the Eagles. Was what it's Oh yeah, yeah, like. yeah. Okay. I was just trying to think what who he played in that. All right, so we we went down the cast, and I feel like we could talk about the cast for no less than an hour if we wanted to, because it was just such yeah. a great cast. What <laughs> what else you got in your positives, buddy? Uh, gosh, most of it was about the cast. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, say what you got to say, dude. No, no, no. I mean, like, I just, I like every time somebody popped up, I wrote something down different about the person. Um, but no, I love the writing. I thought the writing was really good uh, for this movie. Obviously, I keep saying that for. Um, every Cameron Crowe movie we've watched so far, and guess what? The dude can write, so it's like he should have probably won for uh, best screenplay, or at least been Absolutely. nominated for. So that that's the one that I agree with you with, um, even though it is going against uh, American Beauty. But like, dude, he was just fantastic. This movie's writing was fantastic. It Think was about great. how many characters he had to manage, and every character <laughs> so memorable. Yeah, that's crazy. 
And obviously the, mo- the the most famous scene, the infamous scene from the movie, the I am a golden god when he jumps into the pool. Yeah. Uh, that was fantastic. That's not the uh, most infamous scene, but we'll keep going. I, I, I'm with him on a... I am a golden god is always the one thing I always remember from this movie in particular. Really? Cause... Or especially... Or it might be actually where he's like, did I really say I am a golden god? <laughs> I think oh, the yeah. tiny dancer scene when they're all singing. No, on the I, bus. that's actually that was my next. I positive. think that's more iconic. I don't that know. that was. I mean, it's not more iconic, but it it is better. Um, it's but the yeah, one that scene was my... I've seen on YouTube a million times because I look it up all the time. I used to all the time. Oh, you. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm a, couple, say a couple more a couple I more views. God, it's the same thing as the speed uh, the mega or the. Where he lifts up the boombox over his head. It's yeah. sort of like that. All right. Keep going, Jared. Finish your list. Oh, uh, no. I was just going to say that uh, them seeing Tiny Dancer on the tour bus right afterwards, that was another huge positive because I just love that. Uh, that was very like Edgar Wright-esque, and he's probably my favorite director, where you weave in music so effortlessly into mm-hmm. the story. And so that's like Raider Edgar Wright's playbook. So obviously that was my favorite scene. Um, Baby Driver would be a good movie for this podcast. That's a I great mean, movie. trust Ooh. me. Like any anything Edgar anything Edgar Wright does in there. Well, I want to talk. I want to talk about that scene that you just brought up real quick before you move on on your list. I feel like that scene is great for so many reasons. Song choice, wonderful. And, you know, I think it introduced me to that song actually. Um, I think, you know, it had to have. And I was like, this song is amazing. That and just where it's placed, the whole scene where they're all like just bitter after a huge fight. And it's just like a moment of like music heals. You know, music is like medicine. And it healed the band on that trip. I just thought it was powerful. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, My other big positive was the uh, airplane scene where they were going through turbulence and then everybody was just like talking that's when the actors really came out and showed their chops especially jason <laughs> lee big time props jason lee because you could feel him being upset and you could feel it like coming through and i was just like damn that's really good so uh yeah no i thought that was awesome uh that was definitely one of my biggest positives about the movie um even though it's going back into the actors but again uh too sweet for rock and roll that was probably one of my favorite lines um god i know i left lines off on my nomination list. yeah dude <laughs> so much but yeah i mean like like i said a lot of it is ends up going back into the cast or the writing so mm-hmm. that's that's definitely my positives there's almost too much to discuss yeah you for know, positives like, on this we, movie <laughs> my positive my positives are the whole movie you know, it's like, let's just rewatch it and talk about it. <laughs> let's live watch. Yeah, let's live watch it on the pod. That'd do better. Sorry, listeners, you're gonna get two hours of us just talking about it. Ray, so, you got to get the regular version. <laughs> all right, so I guess we'll start with my list. Um, on the bootleg version, it's not really a bootleg. It's just called. It's I guess it's like the director's cut. On the Blu-ray, I just want to say, great Blu-ray menu. Just saying, best Blu-ray menu I've ever seen in a in a Blu-ray before. Um, fantastic, music was great. Obviously, I think it actually, and I actually not only did this movie introduce me to Tiny Dancer by Elton John, it also introduced me to Simon and Garfunkel, which I still listen to today. 
Um, I actually have that album on on vinyl, the one where the mom's like, "Look at these two men. They're high." <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I have Jason Lee is my favorite character, and can we say Stillwater is a good band? Like they have some legit songs. Uh, no, Fever remember the, the the writing, uh, the 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 writing for the the band, their middling band having a hard time coming to grips with uh reality or yeah they're yeah reality or of success or something like that yeah it was, <laughs> that was really good all right well god i just had to stop taking positive notes because like we're just it's gonna keep going so i don't know what else to say yorton what you got buddy well i mean you guys pretty much covered the big parts that i wanted to talk about uh, especially when we're talking about the supporting cast and the supporting cast to me was probably the biggest light for it and uh Especially the uh, the writer that got him in to uh, st- start the whole thing, to write his first paper and everything. Lester Bangs? Yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh, yeah, he was great. He, he was like my favorite character in that. Because every time he was talking it was for me, it was shining. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, let's go ahead and shit on him, Jared. What you got to say? No. <laughs> um, I, I, it was just disheartening to hear... Um, talking about doing drugs and the, as a character at Lester Bang. Oh, you're relating oh. to real life. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I thought he was just a very great actor, obviously. Um, and at, like, just hearing that, I was like, ah, I was kind of off-putting because it's just like, I know what happened. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 17, 17 years later. So, yeah. Celebrate what his is- life, not what could have been. You know, I feel like. Well, know, yeah. Pretty- I mean. I watch the master and I love the master. So that's what I do. I haven't seen uh, that. What? All right. Sorry. Sorry. Don't want to get sidetracked, but talk about a fantastic ass movie. Um, <laughs> the master. So yeah, for all of you, Philip Seymour Hoffman heads listening, if you have not seen the master, you are doing yourself a disservice. Uh, you got to watch the master with him and Joaquin Phoenix. So, uh, there you go with that. All right. Um, all right, negatives. I have none. It's a perfect movie. That's nope. all I have. I don't have any negatives. Jordan, you, you don't got any negatives? Uh, Nitpicks, anything? Maybe, maybe uh, I, I could probably made it 15 minutes a little bit shorter than the two hours on it just because uh, halfway through the trip, it sort of dragged a bit, but nothing major or anything like that. How long, that was, your, how long was the movie for you guys? Two uh, hours and five minutes. Yeah, two or five. Mine was two hours and 40. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm so glad yeah. we didn't watch your version then. No, you and I would have hated it. I did not feel Yes, I don't think I would have been nearly all. as positive if I saw the two hour and 40 minutes. Because I felt all... like I felt like if it just got that like 10 minute cut a little bit, it just trimmed the fat a bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Jordan. Really I, great. Man, I agree I with felt you. The opposite. Like I didn't feel it. There's only one scene I would have cut from the version I saw. Yes, we'll talk but about this later. is also your favorite movie. There, it's right? not my favorite. I just oh, realized okay. when you showed me the movie the first time, you said this is your favorite movie. Yeah, well, things change. Um, okay, but it's definitely up there. Um, and it's now it, it like it moved down the yeah. list. I think it just jumped up the list a few spots again. <laughs> what other? Do you have any more random notes? Do you have any random notes, Jared? No, I do have one more nitpick. Okay. Um, I did not like the deflowering scene. That that's a rape. So it was a true story. 
I mean, it rape is rape. It doesn't matter if it's true, <laughs> fictional, non-fictional. Doesn't, like rape is I, rape. Doesn't I, change that it feels a bit awkward. And yeah, no, say. especially like he's a minor, so that's statutory rape. Okay, you're right. It's statutory rape. <laughs> but so, let me just say one thing. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! no. <laughs> I don't think the boy minded. Careful. Is all I'm gonna say. Oh my God! Ray, Ray is out here to, like Skip Bayless. He's not going to take these girls to court. If anything, he's buying them lunch. No, but I that again doesn't make it right. Yeah, I again, say, look, as an adult, I, I that makes me uncomfortable. You got uncomfortable with that, really? It's like for me, it was just part of the movie in the seventies. Like it was a, like you know how many rock stars. There's that scene early on in the movie where they're on the bus. It doesn't guys make like, it right. <laughs> it doesn't make it. I didn't right. say it's right. I'm not saying it's right. No, but right. so it's saying 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 that we feel weird about it. I'm like, no, you guys should trust my words. Doesn't make it yeah, right. sure, it's wrong. But also, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's wrong and that people do in movies. Hannibal Lecter ate someone's brain. I don't. I'm not like, oh, that's my nitpick. No, it's just part of what the movie uh, is. Hey, that's different than rape. I'm talking about it's rape. Arguably worse. <laughs> He's eating someone's brain. I mean, well, the person did deserve it, but no one deserves rape. Okay. This isn't... Oh hey, my god. You make it sound get... like it was him just like... Actually, like, I don't know. Like It was a violent rape. This uh, boy... He, it, he's oh. a minor and three women took advantage of him. Took advantage... Okay, well, this is... So what uh, if it was reversed? What if it was three yeah, men taking that's, advantage that's of an thing. underage woman? Yeah, that's it's terrible. The same. So it's the same thing. In the movie... We cannot have gender bias when it comes to rape. No, rape in the movie, rape. it's fine. This kid had the best day of his life. Anyway, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm, I'm saying, like, it shouldn't be uncomfortable because... <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Jordan, <laughs> um, never get uncomfortable with rape. <laughs> oh lord if it's in a movie you guys are turning this into something it's not alright moving on here's my random notes I already talked about San Diego Um, I know teachers like the mom in this movie and bro they're the worst like <laughs> sure she makes a good mom but you don't want to work with these people Um, the okay here's a scene I know was not in the movie that you guys probably would have cut and rightfully it probably was cut but Jack Black, um, he wasn't in this movie, but his his friend oh. <laughs> from um, Tenacious D was. I don't know his yeah. name. The bald guy. Mm-hmm. I know who you're talking about. Did y'all see the scene with him? Uh, I don't think so. No. I don't remember so he that. Was, he was a radio DJ, and he was hosting an interview with the band. And he was so abstract and out there. He was so high. That he fell asleep in the middle of the interview and the band just started talking and like roasting each other on air. It was just a weird scene. But he was in it. Um, there's that. <laughs> there's a scene where the man. Did y'all see? Okay, so after Russell gets shocked by the microphone. Can I talk to you about that real quick? Go ahead. I actually have an interesting story. Uh, when I was 16 years old and went to a Pink slash Lenny Kravitz concert. Lenny oh, Kravitz, hold up, uh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Lenny Kravitz <laughs> we got to go got back to this story. Yes. A where girl was asked this, me where, if I wanted to go to Pink and Lenny Kravitz concert. Where was it? It was at the Woodlands Pavilion. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Jordan, yes. How old were you? Uh, I was 15 at that time. Were you there for Pink or Lenny? 
I enjoyed both. <laughs> okay. But Lindy Kravitz is, was the better one of the two. I would, but, I would think so. No, I, 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 I don't believe that. I do. All right. I know I was being facetious. Lenny Kravitz being better than Pink. Keep going, Jordan. What's your story? All right. Anyways, Lenny Kravitz got shocked while he was on stage from his microphone because the humidity was so high. Now, it wasn't nearly as bad as that, but they had to stop the concert for like 10 minutes. Oh, wow. So you're like, oh, I've seen that happen. Yeah. I was like, when, it, when he got shocked, I'm like, I've been to a concert where that happened to the main singer. Well, there's a part of that scene where their manager at the time kind of gets into it with the promoter who's like, hey, we paid you to blah, 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 and you're not, you're just going to leave? He's like, you trying to kill my band, my, my guitarist, and they're leaving? There's a whole scene that's extended where they're fighting in the parking lot, and it's like the weirdest, lamest fight. It's just like two skinny dudes trying to take each other down. I don't, I don't remember seeing it before. I think it was just an extended scene. Was that in no. your version? No, definitely. No, that was no. not in my version. No. Okay. <laughs> the band's watching these two squirrely guys go at it, and they're like, dude, get in the bus. <laughs> they're just like yelling from the window. Um... Yeah, and I don't, I don't need to talk about that one. Um, in the extended version, you see Kate Hudson's boobs. You see them, see them briefly in this one, too. Oh, and it okay. sort of threw me off because they they went so far to not show it. The only thing you get to see it real quick, and then after that, she has that see-through shirt, and then never again. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it was a quick... Okay, so I thought it was my version. Me. I thought nope. I got privileged there. All right. Um, did you guys have the Penny, <laughs> the Penny Lane birthday scene where she got a cake and everything? No. Nope. Okay, that's when she finds out that she got cut, and he she got traded or lost, and they like she's not gonna be with the band anymore. That was weird. Um, um, and did you guys notice at the end the tour bus said no more planes on top? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No more planes seventy four. Uh, all right. Any other scenes before we move on to our categories? Yes. So my random notes, I just loved when one of the Band-Aid Sapphire was running after the tour bus said, I'll see you guys in Topeka, and the Sharon's right into the wall. That was hilarious. <laughs> I was cackling. It's like you almost know it's going to happen, and you're like just waiting for it. Like, yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, no, that that was I, – I love that one. Um, then I also love how Jimmy Fallon said we all have our roots. For those of you who don't know, that's the band on – Oh, that's true. Uh, the Jimmy Fallon show, The Roots. I, I know. Think I was planned. Okay. No, it was. Obviously, it wasn't planned. It was like it was, 20 years from now. I have just, a late night show. <laughs> it was still just funny to say, hey, guys, we all have our roots. And I was like, technically the truth with Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> technically the truth. He, took, well, he got his roots. All right. Well, let's, go, <laughs> let's go ahead and get to the best scenes. All right. I have two many here, and I probably left a few off. So you guys just throw them in. I have the facial hair scene when he's... Young Williams in the restroom, and he's just like, "Why do they all have hair?" And I'm brushing my hair, like facial hair. Um, <laughs> there's a scene in the car where he finds out he's 11. Um, then we have when William goes to black to the Black Sabbath concert early in the movie to interview Black Sabbath, and that's where he meets Penny Lane and um, Stillwater, and it just kind of sets up the whole dynamic of the movie, and it actually. Reminds me of the party scene from Say Anything. It's just this long extended scene where you meet a bunch of characters for the first time and they interact and there's all these moments at that first show. Um, I think that's going to be a strong contender. We have, after that, the hotel scene when they're in L.A. And that's when we meet Jay Beerschel for the first time and 
all that cool stuff. Um, I think that may be when David David Bowie shows up. I can't remember. Um, uh, no, he. Sh- I think he's. In, I thought he was in New York. Yeah, I think he shows up later. You're right. Um, then we have <laughs> the clairvoyant girl who's interrupting William's phone call with his mom. Purple. Your aura's purple! I guess I just miss you, and I don't understand why I've driven my two kids so far away from me. By all practical rules, don't I get you for another three years? Was that not fun? Yes! William! This is Beth from Denver. She's one of the legendary original Band-Aids. She's clairvoyant. Oh, I can't read your mind or anything. I mean, I pick up things here and there. Estrella says hi. She says I can stay in your room. Sure. Great. I've got some hydroponic pot. Wow, your aura is really fantastic. Hey, hey. It's this beautiful I love purple you. color. I missed the last thing you said. Your aura oh. is purple. I love you. What? Purple. It's purple. Oh, what? Your aura is purple. I miss you and I love you. I love you. <laughs> That was hilarious. <laughs> had me I was rolling on that one. Um, after the fight, they go to the high school part, the pool party, and Russell just starts taking acid with his alcohol. Um, the tiny dancer scene is up there, I think. With, I think that's probably my choice. Um, then we have the deflowering scene, which I guess <laughs> is not going to win. Um, <laughs> Mom scares Russell over the phone. The graduation scene juxtaposed with William dancing with a drunk drug Penny Lane. So he's supposed to be at his graduation. He's being called up to the stage, and he's he's having this real life experience with this girl who's like five years older than him, who's about to die because she overdosed, and it's just like cutting back and forth. Um, and then we have the plane crashing scene at the end, where they all just reveal the truth and honesty, and they all just let it all out. Yorton, do you have any scenes you want to throw in there? No, you you have my top three on on that one, so yeah. How about you, Jerry? Do you got any scenes you want to throw up there? Uh, no, you have all my favorites, actually. So. All right, Yorton, what's your favorite scene? I, I am going to or, go I'm with sorry, when he, What's the best scene? Oh, what's the best scene for me is when he f- first goes and uh, writes and goes to the concert. And just I, I I just enjoy all the frantic craziness and everything and the excitement going on 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 and in there it through his eyes too you know yes. like living it through and him. he's fresh and he's all excited because I am get, going to get paid to write for the paper and everything and there's everything's going on and it's like a whole nother world for him and I really yeah. enjoy that scene that's a that's a good choice how about you Jared uh so my favorite scene. I mean, not the best, so not the one I'm actually going to vote on, but I do want to say my favorite was just the frenetic hotel in mm-hmm. L.A. where you just meet, like, a thousand different people at one time, and they're all coming through and doing this stuff, uh, and J.B. Rochelle is just screaming the entire time. They're jamming. I just, they're just playing I, guitar. Yeah, and I, I just thought it was great. It's just, like, one of those rock star lifestyles, and you actually got to, like, feel it in that moment. But obviously the best is Tiny Dancer. Come on. What are we doing? <laughs> Okay. Damn it. Now I have to choose between Tiny Dancer and the concert scene? You kidding me? Um, Tiny Dancer is easily my favorite scene. Uh, Ray, don't do this. But is it the best? 
Not like this, Ray. Not like this. You're going to break Richard's heart or Jared's heart. Now. No, I'm not. I don't know because I think I. You know what? I convinced myself. I'm going with Tiny Dancer. The concert, ah, yeah. the concert scene's great and it's very important. And I was going to say Tiny Dancer is just personal because it's a great scene, but I think it's also vitally important because it summarizes the theme of the movie. You know how music can heal and music brings people together and all these all these different themes. And I think that. Three minute scene captures it. We're going what? tiny dancer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, quick question is we're talking about scenes and I'm just curious. Uh, for you two, what is the scene that you'll immediately think about when you go and think about this movie? Tiny dancer. Is it okay, so I feel like then yeah. that should be your top yeah. one. Well mine is the golden god scene is because golden that's god. just the most memorable, but it's not like in my favorite scenes. It's not okay. like my top two. I think my if I'm thinking of three scenes from this movie the first three are tiny dancer the plane crashing and then um yeah the the whatever one the, the i'm a golden guy the pool party scene yeah for me the three were the uh plane crash the first concert and the pool party i didn't yeah. have the tiny dance i think that the first concert three, but i under scene. but i completely understand why you two enjoy that scene because it's still a good scene best line Oh, this is going to be a tough one. All right, I left some. St- I know I did. I don't. I. You know how hard it was to make this list. It was. It was impossible. I don't envy any of us on this one. All right, we got. Feck you. This is a house of lies from his sister <laughs> early on in the movie. Yeah. Um, and Lester Bangs has a great one when he tells William about his friends. He's like, "Are you pop? You must be popular in high school." And William's like. No, not at all. I actually get picked on or whatever. And Lester Banks says, don't worry. You'll meet them all again on your journey to the middle. I thought that was great. Uh, uh, yeah, also about um, Zoe Deschanel saying this is a house of lies. She's later in a movie with Will Ferrell that when Will Ferrell says, you sit on a throne of lies, that movie is Elf. So you I thought that was... Connection, I don't think anyone else has ever made... <laughs> you got a brilliant mind. Um, the next one is when he says uh, no I think it's Penny Lane says call me if you need a rescue we live in the same city and he looks at her he goes I live in a different world (laughs) (laughs) this is right after that concert yes and then he's trying to get an interview with Russell and you just hear through the door go away I'm in too truthful a mood (laughs) Um, then there's no it's okay I'm easy to forget. Just leave me behind. I'm only the fucking lead singer. No, it's okay. I'm easy to forget. Just leave me behind. I'm only the fucking lead singer. Movie cracked me up. And then we have I'm a golden god. And then I love you. And I'm boldly about to go where many men have gone before. At the end. <laughs> yes. And then the last one I have is everything Jason Lee says. <laughs> I don't know what to put. Uh, what? Can, can I add one that it's not on my, it won't be on my list, but I thought was a really interesting one. Absolutely. When uh, at the scene towards the end where you had those groupie girls, and he, he was like, those aren't band aids, they're groupies. And you, they flip over and show them real quick, and you're like, 
you can understand what's the difference as soon as you see the girls, just like the different attitude and everything with You're them. Right, I just they were two different lens. groups. Yeah, one yeah. was definitely trying to get laid. The other one was not. They were there for the music. They're just You're there right. for the excitement and be the muse, like she said from the beginning. They're yep. inspiration. And she goes, we don't sleep with them. We just give blowjobs. <laughs> All right. but, like, okay. but if you want to talk about just something clever and quick, that was something I really That's enjoyed. A good one. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, and then I will only add one line, and it's the one that I said earlier that you're too sweet for rock and roll mm-hmm. because he was out of his element the entire movie, but he still did his best to fit in and work and do all that. But ultimately, yeah, I felt like he was too sweet for rock and roll. So what that's a, why. I, what a story to go tell your friends when you get home. Like, all right, here's what happened to me. <laughs> yeah, no. Stone's cover comes out, and you're like, see? I swear. Yeah, it's just going to be one of those things where no one believes him, like like Jordan said, until that cover comes out. It's like if Ferris Bueller didn't have his friends with him in that movie, no one would believe Ferris Bueller's story. This is the same thing. He just needed a buddy to, like, validate his story. Um all right, so Yorton, what do you have for best line? <laughs> I, I'm going to go with the Golden God, God one. Okay. I have to. I just have to on that. Jared? I I mean, for the sake of something's got to win because we're all going to be a stalemate because I feel like we all have a different line. I unfortunately will go with Yorton <laughs> with the I'm a Golden God. I mean, it's number two for me, but like I said, number one for me is too sweet for rock and roll. Fair enough. I mean, my favorite is, no, it's okay. I'm easy to forget. Just leave me behind. I'm the fucking lead singer. But they're all these lines are on the same level. You know, yeah. I can't pick between them. But the one that's most memorable that came out of this movie is definitely Golden God. So I think that's a tiebreaker. So there we go. I am a Golden God wins. MVP of the movie. Oh, th- I think this might be the hard one. I think it's actually easy. I think it's oh. Cameron Crow. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Because, uh, I mean, he got... This is his, like... This is his crowning moment. This is his... He he, he told his story and made it the best thing that... I don't know. It, I, there's literally nothing you could... I would change about this movie. And the fact that it's still so well-remembered all these years later... He he wrote it. He directed it. He he, used some, he got the casting. I mean, I don't know. Who, I mean, you, I guess you no. You can't say um, Billy Crudup because he didn't really go on to be a megastar, and no one really took off except for maybe Kate Hudson, you know. But what? I don't know. Oh, I you guess are you talking about the main cast and everything on it? Well, I guess like who 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 do you have for MVP? I honestly might go with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, man. Like, to me, like every time he was in there, he he just enjoyed it. So you're part. telling me he's the most valuable player. I'm in this not movie. saying he's the most. That's why I was like, but you he's were talking about out. like where they would go. Yeah, like, he's my the, this man. Out. The, this man just put PJ Tucker as the MVP <laughs> of the Rocket <laughs> season. But no, I will go with the director as MVP. But I was just trying to add on to your part about like where did everyone else go? Yeah, yeah, basically. you're right. We get That's it. You love PJ right. Tucker. We get it. I think <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman was already great, and he was like, "I'll come in for a few days and do a few scenes." You know. Well, no, he literally only shot four days, and he was deathly ill the whole time. 
Yes. For real. He had the flu and he was like miserable the entire four days. Yeah. Um, all right. Shout outs. Yorton, I guess we got yours. Yeah. My shout out was Philip Seymour Hoffman there. There may be a Jay. Beer show. Beer show. Yeah. Bringing a hiccup from uh, the Dragon movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. How to Train Dragon. He just came in. So he's okay. not my shout out, but. I just loved his entire like sequence. It was amazing. Yeah. I, it was fun. I enjoyed his, his brief little parts that he came in on, but I just want to give him a mini shout out for He's it. Like he touched this pen. He touched this pen, and I yeah. this pen. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, my shout out uh, definitely goes to Jason Lee. Holy hell! What a what a what a what a performance he turned in. Um, he's not the MVP. The MVP obviously goes to Cameron Crowe, but. Dude, he was on fire. Yeah, he was great. He was so great. yeah, yeah. Shout out Jason Lee. Um, well, I'll pick someone different. No, it's not like, like this is not a category you win. It's just something you want to shout out. Um, Mitch Hedberg had one line. I don't think it made the original cut. I think it just made the extended cut. I'm not gonna go with him. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Sure, whatever. Jason Lee. That's my shout out. Jason Lee. Wow. I don't know who to pick. There's shout out, no, shout Jimmy out Fallon. Earl. Jimmy Fallon. Dude, shout out some, yeah, Jimmy Fallon was a fun shout out one. I'm yeah, like, that's yeah. a good yeah. one. All right. I don't have any questions. Do you guys have any questions over this movie? Uh, hold on. Let me, let me dig back into my notes. I think I had one question. Uh... Oh, I don't, I don't have any questions. I felt like the movie filled in everything pretty well. Oh, no, no, no. Everything was fine. Yeah, no. I thought you I had a question. questions I guess next week. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> I'm so Vanilla Sky. I'm so excited. To watch okay. Um, yeah. No. No questions. I thought I had one. I don't know why. But um. Oh yes. Here goes one question. But this is just more of a statement. You cannot turn a hoe into a housewife. You can't. I've, and that's what I don't he tried know. I haven't learned that lesson. I've just been told. <laughs> rap song. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's where we always get it from. Um, so yeah, uh, I that that wasn't a question. That was, I guess, my random thought, my only like thought. Fair. You're enough. like this. This love story is not going to work out. Say, it's not a <laughs> but I will watch it. I'm yeah. watching it. All right, let's move on to trivia. I uh, I kept it short and sweet. Um, this the movie was scored. So the the music that wasn't you know licensed music. Uh, was scored by Nancy Wilson, who was Cameron Crowe's wife at the time. She's a fantastic guitar player, and her and Peter Frampton wrote the songs for Stillwater. Oh, wow. Um, Penny Lane asked William if he'd like to go to Morocco with her. He says, yes, ask me again. And according to Cameron Crowe, he was asking her to ask again because he wanted to do another take, but he just left it in. You know, so he was telling the actual actress, "Hey, not ask me, ask again. me another time." Basically, like <laughs> he was now he's like, "Ask me again. I want to redo my line." You know, but they just left it in. Um, the film is this film is Cameron Crowe's semi-autobiographical account of life as a young Rolling Stone reporter. The actual group that he f- toured with was the Allman Brothers Band. Greg Allman distrusted him and kept asking if he was a narc. Crow was in a near fatal plane crash while traveling with the Who. The character huh. of Russ Huh? I said huh. Yeah, the no the Who. 
I'm just joking. No, that was a dad joke. Um, The character of Russell Hammond is based on Glenn Frey of the Eagles. The Eagles. So, wow. And Philip Seymour Hoffman was on set for four days. He was terribly ill with the flu. The last one I have, which is kind of going to blow your mind, Brad Pitt was attached to this movie as Russell for so long that when he backed out at the last minute that the movie almost fell apart. Like, the studios almost didn't want to make it anymore. Like, he was so involved in getting the film made, he read with, like, all the actors and was basically... he. It was a given. He was Russell. The whole movie was kind of built around Brad Pitt being Russell, and then he just backed out for some reason, and Crow thought the movie was just not going to happen now. I actually would have loved to see Brad Pitt in this movie. As well. I mean, nah, I'm not taking anything away from Billy Crudup because obviously we sang his phrases at the beginning, but I would also love to see Brad Pitt in that role as well. I want to, yeah, I want to see how different it would be. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to, yeah, I want to see it because now that sounds like very interesting. And he's young. This is 2000, Brad Pitt, so he's 20 years younger than he is now, right? So he's probably like 25. Set. 30 maybe the age that when he was the fighter fight club no 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 fight club came uh, out in 99 uh where there he's in england and he has oh, that, snatch? that weird accent snatch yes you like oh. Dags? No, I can't wait to do that movie <laughs> like that oh, yeah i can't that's another movie i'm I very seen, excited for i haven't seen that movie or lock stock in forever all right um Oh, hold up. Let me get my let me get the ringtone out. Let's go. Uh-oh. Is it game time? It's game time. Let me turn the volume all the way up. All right, it's the Rotten Tomatoes game. Um, who won last time? Jared. So yeah, sorry. He's won the last two. <laughs> he's undefeated. Wink, wink. Um, all right, Yorton. Until you win, you're gonna go first. What do you think this movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to go a 78. Holy shit! Why so low? <laughs> yeah. No, he's know. already said it. All right, yeah, Jared. What I, you I got? Said it. Uh, no, I was going up to 86. I, okay, I want to ask Jordan why you think... I mean, 78 is a good movie for Rotten Tomatoes, but... I yeah, I, that's why I was going to say it's a good movie, but I, I just didn't feel like maybe it got, grabbed the attention of the, uh, um, the reviewers and everything as much. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I'm wrong by your reaction. For the third week in a row, Jay. Oh, yeah. What is it? What is it? It's 89 percent. Oh yes. Uh, see, I. That's basically 90 percent. Audience gave it 92. Wow. So, okay. I, I mean, honestly, you're, because, because you're, you're, the box office is being low and everything. It's I, a guessing yeah. game, dude. I get it. Some, yeah. Sometimes, like the greatest movies have mediocre reviews. You know. Um, but, it's so funny when we turn into the competition, Yorton doesn't win, but when it wasn't a competition, he slaughtered me every time. He won like the first five in a row. Like, now we're like, all right, now let's keep score. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. There are no hot takes. I didn't find anything that was just like, this movie's terrible. Nothing. So we're just going to move on to Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert gave it four out of four stars. 
I have two quotes from him because it's a very long essay he wrote over it. He said, oh, what a lovely film. I was almost hugging myself while I watched it. Almost Famous is funny and touching in so many different ways. And then at the end of his review, he said, Almost Famous is about the world of rock, but it's not a rock film. It's a coming-of-age film about an idealistic kid who sees the real world, witnesses it, its cruelties and heartbreaks, and yet finds much room for hope. All right. That's a good summer. He liked it, too. Eventually, he's going to disagree with us. Eventually. I think he has already, but not to a crazy point. Well, um, I mean, all fears, I think, was the one that we were very high on, and he was more midline. Well, I think it was Clear and Present Danger, I think, or Patriot Games, where he was like, "Why?" Was like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. It was, was like after a hunt for Red October. This is what you give me, yeah, and, was, and, the, and especially you and I were just like, "Yeah, that's a that's a '90s action flick movie. We're in." It felt <laughs> very '80s too. Um, all right, Jared, would you recommend this movie? Yes. Yorton? Yeah, I would recommend this movie, especially if you're a big fan of music. I would say especially. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm going to start off with the Blockbuster Hall of Fame. I'm going to say yes. Um, I'm going to say absolutely yes, because I have seen this movie about eight times in the last 15 years, which, you know, maybe that's borderline Hall of Fame, but it just doesn't come on TV anymore. That's why. But I would say yes, without a doubt. You can stumble upon any scene in this movie, and you're like, "Ooh, I'm gonna sit down and watch this," and you're probably gonna be stuck all the way through to the end because you're not gonna you're, you're gonna have to leave at a commercial break because you're stuck. How about you, Yorton? Uh, I I feel like I'm going to be the one counter here, but I, it's not going to be a Hall of Fame because I don't feel like I would want to watch it multiple times of this movie. But I did really enjoy this movie. Fair enough. How about you, Jared? This is a very Edgar Wright-esque movie. And so what does that mean? It's a Hall of Fame. It's going into the Hall of Fame. We each get one. All right. I mean, if this one didn't make it, none of his movies that we choose are going to make it. I know next week's not going to make it. It's a good movie, if I remember correctly, but it's not one you're going to sit down and watch over and over. But Um, I was halfway through this movie, and I was like, it's going to go on because I... Just everything Jared always talks about, well, what he <laughs> likes of movies. I'm like, yeah, he he's gonna no, really enjoy this. It's so fa- like, it, I, yeah. you're, I'm sorry, I, you're my you're my guy, but this this movie is just great. This this is a great movie. It's a rock concert. You can just put on in the background if anything, you know. And, <laughs> and so like the soundtrack, yeah. It just it's just so good. The sound, the music, the acting, the characters, the lines. It's just. I kind of want to watch it again. I also feel <laughs> right like now. if you're a like, journalist or you're just a classic rockhead, you're renting this movie every weekend. Oh, yeah. I can know? definitely see that. If you're a huge music person or love uh, how uh, media and uh, writing is, yes. Absolutely. Because it's a fun adventure with it. Well, and what's your degree in? You're an English major, so that makes and a I lot teach of sense. English. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so <laughs> this is the end of the podcast. Next week, we have Vanilla Sky. Um. Oh yeah, I want to say one more thing before we get off. Um, there's a podcast recently. It is called Origins, and it's hosted by James Andrew Miller, and it's fantastic. He has seasons of. He does like six episode seasons. The first one's over like Kirby enthusiasm. The second one's over ESPN. The third season, he talks. Or fourth season, he talks about SNL, and he has like interviews behind the scenes of whatever's going on that season. 
During the sixth season of his podcast, he has five episodes dedicated to Almost Famous because of its, its 20th anniversary. He, You get a lot of great interviews from the entire like main cast, Cameron Crowe, people like the actual Penny Lane that the character is based off of. You talk to her and you just hear a lot of like background stories. The, the kid who played William, he talked about that, that deflowering scene. He said he wore three sets of underwear because he didn't want any biological urges to happen and get shown on, t- on screen. And he has, it's just a lot of good behind the scenes stories that I recommend everyone listen to. It's called Origins. So go look for it. Next week we have Vanilla Sky. It's a mind bender. It's very un-Cameron Crow. It's not a movie you watch. You're like, this is a Cameron Crow movie. You, you wouldn't really say that at all. Say, but what a Cameron Crow. Hmm. It, it's it's Tom Cruise. It's um, what's her name from Charlie? What's her name from Charlie's Angels and The Mask? Uh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz is in it. Jason Lee's in it. And it's it's I think you know why it's memorable for me is because it's the first movie that I saw at the time that was like a mind blown movie. We were like, oh, what a twist ending! I had no idea. It was like the first of its kind for me. I feel like now it's overdone, but we'll see how it holds up. Any last words, y'all? No, oh, I got nothing. <laughs> Fair enough. Jerry, uh, y'all, go, y'all, y'all go back and rewatch this movie. It's it's great. I'm just going to say that. probably will in the next year or so. We'll just put it on in the background. All right, y'all. Until next time, take care. <laughs>